Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Art of Living interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelsang. And today's show is brought to you by startmail.com, private email you can trust. We have a fantastic interview and subject today with our guest, freelance writer from Bicycling Magazine, Joe Lindsay, whom I'll introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 725th episode when we spoke with Smithsonian Associate Craig Nelson. Craig Nelson is the author of V is for Victory, Craig Nelson shared with us about FDR's skillful leadership, which turned a nation of wary Americans towards a war to become the arsenal of democracy, ready to take on the dangers of another world war. Craig Nelson will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Two weeks ago, I spoke with author Scott Shea about John Phillips, Denny Doherty, Michelle Phillips, and Mama Cass Elliott, or as they were collectively known, the Mamas and the Papas, who became standard bearers for California counterculture after their amazing song, California Dreamin'. Those were great shows, excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you missed them, along with any others, you can go back and check all of them out along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you need to know about us. Writer, author, storyteller Joe Lindsay is our guest today on the Not Old Better Show, Art of Living interview series here on radio and podcast. From Joe Lindsay's website, Joe loves research and reporting. Joe Lindsay loves talking with people and learning about their lives and work. And most of all, Joe Lindsay loves telling stories for an audience on NPR, ESPN, Bicycling Magazine, and many others. I first became aware of Joe Lindsay as a result of his article in the most recent issue of Bicycling Magazine, and it's titled, Ugh, I'm in the car again. The best bike is one that gets you out of your car. Absolutely, that caught my attention, because as you all know, I have been a long-time bike rider, and recently I switched to an e-bike from Electric E-Bikes. I love my e-bike. And I've done a couple other editorial shows like this one about the virtues of e-bike riding. When I first read Joe's article, I found Joe to say exactly what I've been trying to say about e-bikes, but he said it much better than I ever could. So I invited Joe here to join me on the show, and we'll talk a little bit about how e-bikes promise for better ecology, better economy, better all-around fun, and you will hear Joe talk about the role e-bikes play in improving public health and well-being and how this aspect can be emphasized to promote cycling over car usage. Fascinating stuff. Joe writes about this subject in a very balanced manner. No fluff, just facts, lots of research, and I appreciated our time together. I'm far from alone on this subject. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast writer, author, storyteller, Joe Lindsay. Joe Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thanks for, for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about this subject. I'm, I'm passionate on, uh, about biking. Uh, I know you are. I've been a lifelong bicyclist. I recently converted, I'll use that word, <laughs> to an e-bike, and we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. But, but it's, it's all in the context of this 
really wonderful article that you've written. And uh, the title of it just caught my attention immediately. It's Ugh, I'm in the car again. <laughs> and so I, I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about that article and maybe just generally how you believe cycling is going to contribute to you know, overcoming the UG, you know, that I'm in the car again and we're going to promote sustainability and we're going to do all these great things with bicycling. Right. So this article was for Bicycling Magazine and their buyer's guide. Every year they do an annual buyer's guide of, you know, new bikes and all this kind of stuff. And and this grew out of two things, which one of which was my um, sort of discomfort with consumerism, um, which is, we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but the other is my firm, longstanding belief that bicycles really can be uh, a tool to change the world for the better. Um, and, and the primary way that they can do that is to get us out of our cars, which pays so many different dividends. So I wanted to basically use this piece to highlight and kind of wrestle with some of the things that I've been, I've been thinking about and wrestling with, with my own cycling and my own habits and, and my own sort of weaknesses around this, um, which is why I started the article with, you know, oh, I'm in the car again is because, <laughs> you know, I think like a lot of people I have, I have you know, excellent intentions that, that oftentimes get lost in the kind of uh, minutia or demands of everyday life. Yeah. I, you know, I related to the article so much too. And you, you use this term, you cite this just, just now, environmental do-goodism. And I, I loved that. And immediately I jumped to that because I, I want to do the right thing. I'm I'm 66. I feel like I can, you know, I can hop on my bike. I can make this choice over using a car and doing some good. But I've got a Trek bike that's probably, I guess, maybe 16, 17 years old. But now I've converted to the e-bike. And in the in the article, you say your bike, you know, the MB1 still rolls fine. So which bike does the most good? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that line, because I, I related so well to it and you just alluded to it. And so what is the, what is the right choice over using a car? Right. So this, this is where I wrestle with my sort of environmental impulses versus the, 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 my sort of growing anti-consumerist impulse, which is, do I really need to buy a new bike? Um, I think e-bikes are fantastic and they are, well, we can talk about this, but they are uh, absolutely transformative in the way that they allow people to take advantage of what bicycles offer in a way that um, that traditional pedal-only bicycles that are not electric assist uh, do not. Um, but at the same time, so I'm, I'm 49, I'll be 50 in, in August. And, um, I have this bike that's, um, that's very old. It's a, I now, I, what is it? Uh, 32 year old Bridgestone. Bridgestone doesn't even exist in the U S anymore as a bike brand. Um, and this bike has, it's, it's been through multiple lives. It was, you know, I bought it as my original, my racing mountain bike. It went through a period as a single speed mountain bike is kind of like my second bike. And now it's my, my around town commuter. And I put a rack on it and all of these kinds of things. And I sort of marvel at the fact that, that, that this bike has lasted for so long and has done such good faithful service for me for so long. So I think there's maybe a little bit of guilt there that I have this bicycle that still works and I can still ride it. I'm still fit, you know, all of these things. I, I don't have a particular reason to, to move on to an electric bike. But I also recognize that there are things that an electric bike can do that this bike does not. 
Um, and the primary thing that I think it can do is to get me out of the car more. And that that's basically the, the idea, the basic point of the article was the best bike in the world. People often ask me, you know, someone who used to be a, a tech editor, what's the best bike? You know, usually they mean for a specific purpose. What's the best racing bike? What's the best mountain bike? That kind of thing. And when we talk about what the best bike is in general, um, the best bike I feel like is the one that gets you out of your car. And so for me, this is a question wrestling back and forth of what is that? Is that the bike I already own? Or is there another bike that would get me out of the car more? And therefore that makes it more worthwhile, makes it worthwhile. It gives me sort of the permission to indulge that consumerism and go ahead and get that bike. Mm -hmm. Because you make this really great point. You say, you know, getting out of the car is really crucial. The MB1 played a real role and could continue to play that. But the idea is that in making that leap to the e-bike, if we're thinking about the environment and we're thinking about climate change and we're thinking about doing good, genuinely doing good, then it actually means taking that e-bike and stepping up the amount of activity and the amount of riding. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, you, you got to really do more than just kind of exit the car in order to kind of make this work environment. Yeah, this uh, I basically did like a quick analysis of how much I ride the Bridgestone and 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 looking at uh we we have some information now Trek bicycles has actually been very good at providing this uh sustainability and environmental impact report and what we learned from that is is that you know a, a, an e-bike, like an e-cargo bike, which mm -hmm. is what I would mm -hmm. be looking at and I think is probably the, the most exciting um kind of um, category of bicycles right now uh, has sort of a lifetime carbon emissions uh, of about 200 kilograms of, of, of carbon of CO2 is emitted to produce that bike. Once it's produced, the, the carbon emissions are pretty minimal after that point. Um, it's mostly spare parts and, you know, a few, literally a few cents of, uh, of charging uh, kilowatt hours. Um, so you've got 200 kilograms. So you compare that to driving a car mm -hmm. and the cost, you know, of driving a car, which is significantly higher um, as a sort of a, when you look at it as like the lifetime cost, the, the CO2 cost of owning that car, uh, a typical internal combustion engine vehicle uh, has a lifetime uh, carbon footprint of something about 40 tons. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, orders of magnitude mm -hmm. higher than the e-bike. So I figured like, I basically have, if I get this e-bike, I have to replace about a thousand miles that I would have driven in the car with the e-bike in the first year. And then after that point, the e-bike is like a, is like a net gain. Um, the question is, would I ride that bike a thousand miles more than I do my current bike? How long would it take me to ride a thousand miles more? And that's what's attractive about the e-bike. And I think this is what makes it transformative for a lot of people is, is that it demolishes those excuses that I used at the beginning of the article about why I'm in the car again. I'm in the car because it's hot and I don't want to arrive where I'm going sweaty. Or I'm in the car because I'm going to get, you know, a big load of groceries or I don't trying to, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and I don't want to haul that home on a regular pedal bike. Um, you know, all of these kinds of excuses, I'm in the car because I took a recreational ride that morning and my legs are tired. And so, you know, whatever, I'm just going to, you know, bag it. Um, it, an e-bike takes all of those excuses or most all of those excuses and demolishes them because of what 
what they do, the, the added power of the electric assist, the way that it helps you and you're outside and you're riding, but you don't feel like it's um, punishment. You know, I mean, like there are cargo bikes have existed for a long, long time, of course, but to do something like a Costco run uh, on um, an unpowered cargo bike, yeah, you can fit everything in the cargo hold of, of most of these bikes, that's fine, but only the absolute most committed and fit environmentalist is going to be able to ride home from, you know, from Costco with the standard, you know, array of stuff that we get at a place like that. On an e-bike, it's easy. You just boost the power up to, you know, turbo or sport mode or whatever, and it does most of the work for you. And that's what I think is so cool about e-bikes and what people who haven't ridden an e-bike, if you put them on it, they, they go around the block and they come back and they have this big grin on their face like, wow, this is really, really cool. And that's what I think is, is the coolest part of it all. Hi, it's Paul. We'll be right back with Bicycling Magazine's Joe Lindsay, who's written all about the value and beauty (laughs) of electric bikes. All of us in the Not Old Better Show audience are concerned with hacking, fakes, and privacy. When it comes to privacy, most people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and someone's internet browser history. But Protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details such as financial and health information or logging credentials that you do not want falling into the wrong hands. I mentioned our sponsor today, Startmail. And that's why I want to tell you about Startmail because Startmail is the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. Every day, millions of people unknowingly risk their sensitive information through insecure Email communication, regular emails are like postcards accessible to cyber criminals, companies, and even government agencies. Gmail, Yahoo, and other popular services scan and analyze the content of your emails to generate targeted ads. They also keep copies of your emails, sometimes for months after you have deleted them. This means that any email can be retrieved from your account if needed and shared with third parties such as government agencies. Despite Google's promise to delete sensitive location data, a Washington Post investigation revealed that visits to personal locations like clinics and hospitals were still logged into. With Startmail, you can enjoy secure email communication without surveillance or ads. Startmail ensures your inbox is protected with advanced security features. Plus, you get 20 gigs of email storage, surpassing what free providers like Gmail offer. Switching to Startmail is hassle-free. There's an easy migration tool that just allows you to move your emails and contacts from Gmail or Outlook or Yahoo or any other provider with just a few clicks. Our daily lives rely on the internet. Certainly for those of us in the Not Old Better Show audience, that's true. And email privacy is just so crucial to us. It's crucial to protect our personal and sensitive information from unauthorized access. 
StartMail, based in the Netherlands, complies with the strict European General Protection Regulations. That's known as GDPR. GDPR ensures that your personal data is always protected. Protecting your information is about safeguarding your rights to free speech and association, not about having something to hide. So sign up today and save 50% on your first subscription year. Go to startmail.com slash NOB and join tens of thousands of people who trust Startmail for their email security needs. That's Startmail with a T, startmail.com dot com slash nob for 50 percent off thanks everybody and now back to our guest today bicycling magazine's joe Lindsay, and everything you want to know about e-bikes and how important they are We're with Joe Lindsay. Joe Lindsay has written a fantastic new article. The title of the article is UGG. I'm in the car again. It's in Bicycling Magazine. We'll put links so that our audience can find out more about Joe, more about this great article, and and more about uh, – well, Joe, I'll just say this. You have this really nice sense of humor, but the article is packed with some real facts, and, and you talk about an e-cargo bike and the creation of 200 kilograms of CO2. That is just such a fraction of what you know, a Tesla. And I wonder, give us that number because that's a powerful, and you, you talk about this in the article, this is all you, but that I thought was just a, an amazing glimpse into what the offset is here, what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that the, doing that analysis was key for me because it really crystallized for myself sort of what the, what the trade-offs are and quite honestly, how little you need to ride a bicycle instead of drive to make an impact. You know, I, I mentioned that I, I would have to ride uh, basically a thousand miles. I think uh, I don't have the article right in front of me, but but I think about a thousand miles that I would have driven mm-hmm. yeah, to I offset say, yeah. the, the impact of of making that bicycle. And that sounds like a lot, right? A thousand miles, holy cow! But most of our trips, uh, that the, for errands and things like that, sixty uh, percent of all trips are within six miles, are within three miles of the house. Um, that's U.S. Uh, DOT statistics, and so that adds up quickly. You do you take a couple of those a week, you know, uh, two or three of those a week. All of a sudden, you're at ten miles a week, fifty miles, you know, fifty weeks. All of a sudden, you're at, you know, you, you're talking real numbers here. <laughs> and if uh, if an e-bike lasts you five or ten years, then no, it's not going to take that long to 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 start to see the the sort of the net benefit of that. Um, the thing that also happens is when people start to do this, you know, I think there are a lot of people are hesitant at first, they're careful, they're cautious, they may be a little bit, um, you know, concerned about safety and logistics and things like that. But as they get into it, and as they start to realize that this is not just possible, but is enjoyable, then all of a sudden, those the, 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 those trips that you would have driven, you start to replace more and more of those on the bike. And so it's like this flywheel effect where it accelerates and all of a sudden you're really helping. Yeah. Again, the the article is really, really well done. And, and the the facts, uh, the research that you've done, the science component of it is really strong. And you just a minute ago, you mentioned your age, um, 49, so close to 50. I'm 66. 
And I just see that the joy is a real element. I mean, all of this other stuff, the environmental do-gooderism, that I think that's important. And and I think, as you point out, there is a gloss to it, but it is very real. And I, I think it should be at the front of our, our minds. But the joy element is big. And I think particularly for my audience, those of us who are over 60, we can really be a part of this kind of this movement. What strategy or, or, or initiative are, are you encouraging to get more people to choose the bike, to get out of the car, to take this e-cargo trip around town in a way that is efficient and can run some errands and still, you know, have some fun? Honestly, the biggest thing that we need in this country in almost every city is simply more opportunities for people to ride safely and to feel like they can ride safely. Um, and that, in a lot of ways, means protected bike lanes. These are these separated lanes that you see sometimes um, where they have a, you know, there's a small bike lane that is separated from the traffic lane um, by, um, you know, some bollards or, uh, you know, like some kind of a low concrete curb or something, some physical thing that keeps the, the, the motor vehicles and the bicycles separated. And that has, so there, there's a bunch of studies that show that has a huge effect on perception of safety. Um, and as, as we've seen, you know, there are also the, you know, the statistics from the USDOT uh, and the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration are that, that fatalities for pedestrians and cycling cyclists are rising. And people see that. They, they see that. They, they, they have an experience and then they have a visceral experience themselves and they're out riding where somebody makes a, a pass that's too close or who, you know, doesn't see them and turns in front of them. And they said, this isn't safe. Um, and protected bike lanes and infrastructure is the way to make that safe and to give people the confidence that they can do this. Um, and that, that it's going to be not just, you know, something that they can do that's helpful and good for them, but that's, that's, okay, that's safe, that's confident for them, for their families, for their kids, all of that kind of thing. That is the thing that we need more than anything else in cycling right now is simply more more places, more ways for people to get around. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You know, another great line, and again, I want to encourage our audience to go check this article out by Joe Lindsay because it's wonderful, but another great line that you have in the article is, we can't beat climate change by simply switching petroleum for plugs. We have to use less energy, period. What are some of the innovations? Uh, are batteries shrinking? Are there technological, technological uh, advancements in the cycling industry that are coming to make you know some of that really happen? Because we just need to move beyond the plug and the petroleum to use you know less energy. Period. There, there. Honestly, there aren't from the bicycle industry hmm. side. There are a lot of the. A lot of the, the innovations that we see in cycling are really following on from both the the overall electric vehicle industry, but also the um, the electronics industry. Um, the, the sort of the improvements and changes that we see in battery density, uh, things like that, really follow on from those two industries. And, and cycling is kind of riding on the the you know on the the riding a tailwind, if you would. Um, of those two industries, the the issue when I when I talk about like using less is simply a matter of efficiency. Where if you if you were an alien who came down to planet Earth and said, wait, so wait a minute, you a random 160 pound human are using a 4,000 pound vehicle to haul 40 pounds of groceries, that doesn't really make much sense from an energy efficiency standpoint. 
Um, you know, I mentioned that with the um, the lifetime carbon cost of an e-bike, that once it's produced, that the the add-on costs after that are functionally nil. And I've I've done the math on this too, and it's really fun. Um, if you take a standard uh, 500 kilowatt uh, uh, kilowatt hour e-bike battery, there's there's enough energy density in a Tesla battery to make like a Tesla Model 3 battery to make the batteries for about 150 e-bikes. Um, and when you charge those those batteries, like the, the actual cost, your dollar costs, if you rode an e-bike enough every day to fully run the battery from full to empty and had to recharge it fully every night, if you did that seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, um, and you lived in the most expensive state in the United States for electricity costs, which is Hawaii, your total annual charging cost for that bike would be $55. That's it. That's how much you'd spend on quote unquote fuel. Um, and that there's always going to be exceptions. People, whenever somebody raises the issue of, you know, you know, you, we, we should be riding e-bikes for errands more and things like that. Somebody always raises a, a non-hypothetical, but it's kind of an edge case. It's, you know, oh, well, what about contractors? Uh, what about the person who has to drive 50 miles to their job and that kind of thing? Yes, there are those cases. Absolutely. But, you know, what about bad weather? Absolutely. Bad weather can be an issue. Um, but there are hundreds of other daily cases where it does make sense. And I think that's what we're the, the argument that we're trying to make here is not that like, oh, I want you to drive your car for, you know, put a brick on the accelerator and shove your car off a bridge. It's, yeah, keep your car. That's great. You may not need a new one. You just replace a lot of those car miles with bike miles. And that is, by definition, is using less simply because it's so much more energy efficient for all the things that we use cars for that we don't really need cars for that we can do just as well on a bike. You say in the article, too, that the bike industry is starting to respond meaningfully. What do you think they're doing well when it comes to uh, this message of improving public health and well-being that, yes, there's a climate change element to, to all of this and that's important, we should consider it. But what about just good fitness and mental health well-being that comes from from being outside and enjoying what the e-bike uh, you know, can deliver? I think one of the things that I'm seeing that's, that's most powerful is simply that more brands have started to step into this kind of utility e-bike space. For a long time, you know, uh, we've had these electric cargo bikes, which come in various styles. That that uh, it, what's cool about them is that there's uh, this huge variety of styles. So there's always something that's it's like there's something that's perfect for you, whatever you whatever you need. Um, and the cool thing is, is that for a long time, there were only a kind of a few kind of like quirky, you know small uh, niche brands that were making these. And now we're starting to see some of the really big companies in the bicycle space, the Trek Bicycles, Specialized, Giant, which is the largest bike maker in the world. They're starting to see that there's interest and demand in this and they're making that uh, those bikes. And that alone is like that people walk into a, um, a bike store and see this stuff is really powerful. One of the things that we see is that, that cargo bikes in particular are very much the conversation starters. I've heard all kinds of stories from people who are taking their kids to school via cargo bike, uh, and you know they they zip past the line of of cars at, at drop off, and they you know zoom their kids right up to the front of the building and take off, and then the next time they come back, somebody says, "Hey, what's that bike? You know that's cool. I haven't seen anything like that. What is that?" 
Um, those are the kinds of things that I see just from a basic visibility standpoint that are really showing people that there's that, that, that the bicycles that are out there today are totally different than what's come before. And I think this is important for your audience in, in particular, is that they are mobility um, enablers for people from all different walks of life and all different kinds of physical challenges. E-bikes are really a great leveler. Um, there are e-trikes mm -hmm. uh, for people with balance issues. There are recumbents for people who have had back injuries and all that kind of thing. There are options out there for people who wouldn't or couldn't fit or work on a normal bike. But the addition of the electric motor is the thing that really opens up all of these options for a whole bunch of different people. Joe Lindsay, freelance writer, author of this fantastic article, UG, I'm in the car again. I will put links up so our audience can find it. I want to just cite one more line in the – well, a couple of lines, Joe, and have you just kind of respond because you, you make a reference to my audience and recumbent bikes and trikes are all crucial. But you also have this really important, powerful line and you, you start off by saying, if I don't do that, you know, in other words, if I don't replace car trips, if I don't do that, all this rationalization is worthless, worse – I force the consequences of my choice to drive, traffic congestion, pollution, and the lives ended or altered by any crash I cause on others. What do you recommend that my audience think about both for future purposes and then for generations that are coming up behind us to make that switch and get beyond this rationalization and do this for these right reasons and um, to help our environment? Right. Uh, I mean, you had mentioned earlier, you'd mentioned the health aspect, and that's one thing I do want to touch mm -hmm. on briefly, uh, because this is a common criticism of e-bikes is like, well, you know, it's not really different. You know, some people say, well, it's cheating, you know, which uh, if you don't have a number on, I don't, I don't understand how that works. Uh, how that works like you're not actually in a race what are you cheating at um but there are also a number of studies that show that that e-bikes are a good workout uh in part because people who own e-bikes ride them more frequently and for longer than people who own um who own normal non-e-bikes um so you like whatever you're actually losing in sort of the workout intensity um you're gaining back in length and as far as overall health um, that's as important as anything. Um, but I think to your, to your other point about sort of like looking about why, why should we do this? Why, why does this matter? This comes back to what economists talk to uh, and talk about, and they call it externalities. Um, and this is the point that I made about, you know, enforcing the consequences of my actions on other people if I choose to drive. If I choose to drive, then I'm that guy in the car in front of you at the stoplight. Um, if I choose to drive and I'm distracted and I hit somebody, then that person has that, that person who I hit, uh, I changed their life, maybe ended it. Um, and that is all a consequence of me making a choice to drive. Um, that I, that I, I've seen, you know, there are certainly people who complain about close passes of pedestrians by people on bikes and that kind of thing. It does happen, absolutely. But if you look at the number of people in the United States who are killed by someone on a bicycle every year, it's in the low single digits. Um, there are there were something like five or 6,000 pedestrian fatalities last year alone, uh, the, the, the overwhelming majority of them from being hit by someone driving in a car. Um, so these are the kinds of things that like, those are the consequences. Um, the thing is the bike is a positive externality. 
right? If, if all of that stuff from driving is a negative externality, that are the, the consequences of my actions that are forced on other people, then if I ride a bike, then I'm doing all kinds of things that help the world. I'm, I'm opening up traffic so that other people don't have to wait as long. I'm actually like not just reducing my own emissions, but I'm reducing other people's as well because they're not idling in traffic. Um, there's virtually no chance that I'm going to hit and, and you know, hurt or kill someone on that bike. Um, I'm improving my own health. So, hey, you know, our, our health insurance costs go down because I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not struggling with problems that, you know, that, that, that sedentary lifestyles enhance and that kind of thing. Um, there's all of this stuff that, uh, you know, you don't have to pour as much concrete for parking spaces. You don't have to resurface roads as much because bikes have less wear and tear and they have just so much of a lighter footprint um, uh, space-wise and all of that kind of thing. So all of these things are sort of positive externalities that, that you could say this plays a role in overall public health and well-being. Now, I'm not like, uh, uh, we're not going to fix climate, public health, all this kind of stuff by individual actions, but in individual actions alone, but individual actions in aggregate um, do end up to being a form of sort of social, societal, so, you know, society-wide action. Um, they also have, riding a bicycle has sort of a, an effect on people where it really starts to open their eyes to what's possible and what they had taken for granted before. And I think that's important, too, because people start to literally see their world in a different way and they start to think about and, and question some of the, the assumptions that, that they've had about things like transportation, things like why we all need a car, all of that kind of stuff. All of that is important and positive, I think. Joe Lindsay, so well put. The article is equally um powerful and and so meaningful to me again i want to encourage our audience to check this out ug i'm in the car again by joe Lindsay. we will have links but joe thanks for joining us today to talk about the benefits of e-cycling some of these ideas about promoting bike usage all your insights um, on the potential challenges and this this look into what the future might be for e-bikes e-cargo bikes and how that changes a lot of things for us but thank you joe Lindsay. i will just put this to you directly and selfishly we'd love to have you back too so please as you're doing more work on this subject my audience is interested and i'm personally very interested in this subject so congrats on the article please join us again but gosh thanks for your time today Oh, thank you so much for having me. Be happy to be on any time again. My thanks to writer, author, storyteller Joe Lindsay. My thanks to startmail.com, private email you can trust for sponsoring today's episode. My thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my equally wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.